Hey everybody, welcome to the Zelda Informer Podcast. As always, I'm your host Adam, and this week's intro is once again brought to you by Husky by the Geek, who provides their intro for the past couple weeks. Uh, if you have any of your own theme song submissions, anything like that, feel free to submit those to us at ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. That's ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. This week, I'm joined by... I'm Jake! Hi. I don't I don't have any quip this week, so I'm just Jake. Just some uh, guy. <laughs> Hello, I'm Caleb, and I'm less enthusiastic than Jake. Aw, glad to have you. Good. And last but not least, we have a very special guest this week. Yes, Skeletor! No, I'm triple Q. <laughs> Damn, I wanted Skeletor. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we were hoping for Skeletor. I thought we booked Skeletor. Skeletor or I'm leaving. <laughs> No, it's terrible. But we have a lot of news this week, so let's get into it really quick. Um, Just a brief overview of the news. As always, uh, we accept fan topics, theme songs, submissions, anything like that. Send this to us at ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com, and they'll be featured on the show as one of our topics. These are the news topics that I found this week that I thought might be interesting. Uh, In an interview with Game Informer, Eiji Aonuma commented on the five stages of grief grief theory. A new unlockable hidden character in Hyrule Warriors boss pact is exactly what you'd hoped for. Akira Himikawa unveiled some Romani Ranch manuscripts meant for Majora's Mask manga. A Zelda fan game from Zelda Universe called Timeless Haven. Uh, the pre-beta demo is out now. Uh, we finally learned from Eiji Aonuma whose soul is inside the Fierce Deity Mask. Yes, that was cool. More Amiibo production news in, from Japan. And uh, in a big story that's going to be uh, probably a bigger part of the topic for this week, uh, Game DevCon uh, 2015 took place this week in San Francisco, California, from Monday the 2nd to Friday the 6th. So tomorrow for us, but for you guys it'll be yesterday, or depending on when you're listening to this. Um, where a bunch of game-related tech and software uh, uh, announcements were made. Uh, one of the things that happened was Train Jam, which we'll talk about for a little bit. Uh, Nintendo's HAL Laboratory revealed some new games that they're announcing. Uh, Valve announced some things. Uh, a lot of people uh, announced VR headsets and things of that nature. So uh, I'll mention them more in detail during the podcast. Uh, but enough on that. A uh, cool Smash convention is ca- happening in Duels, Virginia in on August 6th and 9th. Uh, that'll be down below if you're interested. Uh, Microsoft teased the return of Battletoads. And sadly, uh, we got this news a little bit too late to talk about it last week, but Leonard Nimoy, uh, best known for Star Trek, uh, passed away last week, uh, and uh, very sad, very sad time. Live long and prosper. Indeed. Yeah. And then that stupid dress happened, and... <laughs> no. You were so angry about that dress, and no. it was actually interesting. <laughs> no. But Caleb, anyway, what color did Legend of what, Hold on, Caleb, what color did you see the dress no, as? No, 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 we're not talking about this. Caleb, We're not color? doing it. Real no. Quick, real quick, real quick. White and gold. Dress okay. Black and blue, because that's what you're going to be if you don't shut up. Watch every Ooh. comment now down below just be about the dress color. <laughs> it's so obviously orange and pink. Anyway, just... okay. uh, Dying Light has the most expensive collector di- collector's edition ever. Uh, Toe Jam and Earl is seeking a sequel uh, uh, using Kickstarter. Uh, Warner Bros. is making an Adventure Time movie, and we have a few fan topics, so thank you to... Chris D, Adrian Brown, and Lloydemus for your topics for this week. Voldemort? Yeah. Lloydemus. Voldemort. Yep. <laughs> He's Voldemort for forever to come. So yeah. Did you guys want to hear what the new boss pack character is that's uh, hidden in the latest expansion for Howard Warriors? Is oh, I already know it, but, but please share. <laughs> it's a giant chicken. So Ridley. 
A giant cuckoo. Yeah, really. Okay. Actually, yeah, he is, isn't he? Is he? Good grief. He does have yeah. like, a beak. C- Caleb, you played other M, right? Let's not. <laughs> no, but he was a chicken. In Shots that. fired. Let's not. No, Caleb, I'd th- I'm not wrong about this. the dress. Wasn't he? Okay, no, no, no. He was he was literally like a chicken, right? Sure. That was like his his like larval form or whatever. Sure. So yeah, Ridley confirmed Hyrule Warriors crossover. It's <laughs> pretty great. I just love how like ridiculous that is that they actually include a giant cuckoo and you like just stomp on your enemies and cacaw uh, and things like that. It's yes, as a text. I might just buy the game for that specific DLC. Just because I've of how always, awesome you it mean, is. T- you mean, does anyone remember how Tingle wasn't reason enough? That's true. He was reason enough. You know what's funny? We uh we talked about it like a week before about how there was the rumors and the initial development for Tingle, and we we're like, oh, mm-hmm. sorry, he's probably not coming in. And then the next week they announced him in the new boss, uh, the new DLC pack. We were wrong. You were wrong. Okay, I always thought maybe, just maybe. Thanks, Jake. But... No, but actually, I was wrong, too, because I thought it was going to be Skull Kid and Tingle, and I was sadly mistaken. Muskull Kid! Muskull Kid <laughs> tips Fedora with Majora's Mask pin in it. Fedora's Boric. Mask. Fedora's Mask! <laughs> I love that. Why do you do that to me? <laughs> because I'm a oh, terrible God. person. Oh, we never really so, explained, yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know who Triple Q is, uh, why don't you explain yourself to the lovely... Lovely Hylians that listen to this. I don't know. We're gonna call people that listen to this fans. Oh. Nah, Hylians. Sure. I'm just some. If you heard of All Star Circulation, and chances are you have. That's that's me. Cyber Theory. That's me. The one where people. You do you do music remixes and you do yes. awesome art, right? Yes, that's well. The awesome is debatable, but. You know. I have one of your shirts. You're awesome. <laughs> yes, that's the only one that I have so far. But so I'm, far, I'll be making more. Please do. Yeah. Uh, the one that really? I have, if you're wondering, is called Kirby Shape Like a Friend. It's a cool shirt for cool kids. Get it. Oh, you were that guy. Oh, yes, okay. that's me. That's a good shirt. And I've only ever made like what one Zelda remix, so. Oh, you're fine. There, there, there might be another one coming very, very mm. soon. You were just fine. You tease. Not a whole lot of our guests have been, like, super, like, Zelda. He likes Smoother Groove? Affiliated. Does he? Yeah, he, he was all around. Like, Does he like Does he like Zelda at all? Yeah. I don't know. So, like, the past is one of his favorite games. <laughs> I know, I'm just being a, I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So, Adam. Mm-hmm. Anuma just came out and said the five stages of grief. He finally, like, elaborated on this. Care to delve in? He said that basically, uh, you can read the the full uh, quote below, but uh, it, he said something along the lines of uh, every stage was kind of meant to evoke these emotions, but not in not specifically one emotion at any given time. They were yeah, supposed to kind of exactly. blend and ex- and explain the different feelings that Link was going through a- as a whole. Uh, sure, there was focus to some extent, but once again, it was it was not the exact, you know, five stages of grief that every that the uh the theory would would have suggested. I know we've talked a, we've talked in one other episode about the five stages of grief two. because it, it in two of them? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh but Good grief. I did provide a an analysis that on was this cute. if I if I may delve hold in. On, hold on, hold on. 
Adam, include include the clap. Thank you, Adam. Good. Good. <laughs> So yeah, I do have a, a an analysis on the five stages. Like obviously, now that Anubis commented on it, you know people are more inclined to believe what they want to believe. But I've never really been a huge fan of that theory, and especially since it uh, started yielding into the whole Link is dead, which is all but do been you, did you Do you want to explain what the theory is? The Link is dead theory, or the the five stages theory. The five stages of grief. Okay, so basically the idea is that each of the main uh, areas of Termina are used to represent the five stages of grief, and those are denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and acceptance. But I, I do see why people think these things, but I think their, their scope's a little misaligned. Um, like, I don't... Yeah, Zelda Informer, how dare you post that theory? Wait, that's <laughs> us. <laughs> no, I... I um, so if you, guys, if you guys mind, would you, would, you, would you care to accompany me as I debunk this theory? Should I play the, uh, the, the Skull Kid theme? No, please don't play it again. I hate that song. Play, play, you know what, Adam? <laughs> Dealer's choice. Play whatever yeah. song you think is appropriate to play at this exact moment. Are you ready? I'm going to play a Kirby song. Okay. Cool. I was going to say go. Green Greens, so. <laughs> Ooh. Huh. What was, uh, what was that one Kirby song where it was like... It was like the, the Fountain of Dreams theme. Play that one. No. Dealer's choice. You pick. Anyways, the five stages. Gourmet yeah, Gourmet. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's a bit too hectic. I know, but I'm hectic. Okay, but anyways. No, Adam, play whatever you want. Anyways, the five stages. Okay. So, Denial and Clocktown. Okay, I still do and have always seen, or never been able to see the semblance of Denial in this place. Uh, the common argument is that there are still people in this town, but that's just, that are all just like three days shy of a doom. Um, but it's supposed to be like a bustling hub this time of year with like, that's supposed to be ripe with tourism and it's almost entirely abandoned. The only people still there are the skeleton crew or, of carnival staff and uh, businesses who are long awaiting a formal government pardon to flee. And most of them just straight up leave anyway by the final night. Or, you know, they have their personal matters, uh, like Kathy and Andrew, or even Gorman, who, like, drop... <laughs> yeah, he straight up drowns his sorrows in milk every night, and because he, he just wallows in his own self-pity because he failed. Um, <clears throat> uh, but the primary objective I've, I've heard of the, the whole, like, denial in Clocktown is the Carpenter Head. But I don't really think he's in denial. I think he's just a stubborn traditionalist who has a job mm -hmm. that he refuses to quit. And then, as far as the Deku Palace goes, I think this one is the most accurate to the thing, because... I think it's a little bit... I, I don't mean to interrupt, no, no, but no, like, go on, go on, go I think on. it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit weird to just automatically assume that each person is going through one specific thing. Yeah, that's because that... I mean Majora's Mask. As much as I don't, as much as I'm not crazy about it, I do I do recognize the fact that it's actually a very deep game in the way that the characters are written and portrayed. I mean, uh, Akira Himikawa recently revealed some Romani Ranch manuscripts uh, meant for the manga. Mm -hmm. And the manga alone is really good, well done. The manga I mean, is if fantastic. You, if you, yeah, if you really like the characters in that, in Majora's Mask, you know, this is this is a treat. Because it really does give you a little bit more of what you couldn't see in the um, in the game. So, before I get back to talking about the rest of the theory, uh, do you have any idea what those manuscripts were going to include for Romani's Mansion? Uh, Romani Ranch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, wait that, that, wait, that was entirely excluded from the manga? I believe so. God, I don't remember uh, that. Wow. Well, then again, I really only, like, read uh, the ending of it shark. online. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Romani's Ranch is actually one of the best parts of, uh, of the whole game. But moving on, back to the theory. 
uh, Anger and Deku Palace is actually one of the most accurate ones, so we aren't going to dwell on it for too long. Um, you know, the Deku Palace is definitely a place filled with misguided anger, but it's also filled with a lot of naivety and blind fellowship for the king and ignorance of the reality that surrounds him. It sounds, <laughs> this particular place actually sounds a lot more like denial than it does outright anger. It's like you said earlier, Adam, it isn't just one binary emotion that everyone feels. A lot of people mm -hmm. are just blindly following their orders, and uh, that point alone isn't enough to solidify the theory. The next two, bargaining and depression, can actually be intertwined with one another, so you can talk about them together. Um, mm -hmm. The theory states that Snowhead is a place of bargaining, but the spirits and residents there are far more in a state of mourning, accept mournful acceptance that they're about to mm -hmm. uh, trade their... <clears throat> then they, as they are trying to... Adam, cut that out. Um, <laughs> I totally choked up. They're far more in a state of mournful acceptance than they are trying to find something to trade in place of their problems. They all know mm -hmm. spring won't arrive, and they all know they lost their patron hero. Um, they know there is little to save them from a frozen doom, and they're kind of screwed. Uh, as far as depression in the Great Bay goes, it's true that Lulu struggles to cope with the theft of her eggs, but that doesn't mean um, that it's less plausible. What do you think about the uh, the theory about Lulu, Lulu's eggs? Do you think those were uh, those were magically made, or do you think that was actually the product of a union? Because I, 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 I think, I was I think they were them. sired by Maiko. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Really? I, I, I like the magic theory a little bit more. I feel like it, it fits a little bit better. There is actually a giant plot hole with Great Bay that I've been thinking about. Because, like, I haven't played Majora 3D in about a week. I sort of Tell me it about down. it, Great Bay. Um, Great Bay... <laughs> oh, Adam, thank you. <laughs> uh, there's kind of a big plot hole that I never really noticed here. And that's that, um... Okay, so the whole point is you're, you're supposed to save her eggs. Okay? You're supposed mm -hmm. to save them from the pirates and the sea snakes. And you do that, yeah. and you... As a result, they teach you a song to play for the mother. Cool. Um, but the problem with it is that you can go play the song to the mom, but you can also reset the three-day cycle and still have that song playing for the mom, and the egg, if you reset time, the eggs would go right back to the pirate's hands in the sea snake nest. So, you're actually, by resetting the clock or, or sending them right back where they are, she's gonna know her children are still stolen if you reset the clock, if that makes sense. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, you'll never have saved them. You'll never have actually saved them. I don't know if that's intentional or what what have you, but that's the only place where that sort of problem really happens. I feel like, I feel like in uh, uh, Majora's Mask, a lot of time you have to make those sort of sacrifices. Yeah, uh, every for the every, greater good. Dude, so in, every time so you save, say. it's like an acceptance of defeat because you know you yeah. aren't going to be able to do it all. But yeah, so. Yeah. She lost her eggs, and it's true that she's struggling to cope with the theft of them, but it seems a lot more plausible that Maiko is, like, headstrong in rebellious devotion to retrieve the Zora eggs. Something that are lost uh, to the people and his failure, it sounds a lot more like bargaining with fate than it does outright depression amongst the land. Um, mm -hmm. And last, the giant firework, the, the firework of a red flag to the whole theory is acceptance inside of Stone Tower. It's just wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ikana is a land of the dead in Termina. It holds the royal cemetery, it has the palace of the Ikana royal family. It was a place with a terrible war across at least two kingdoms. There was confirmed to be two, they, but it could have spanned much bigger. Uh, so terrible, um, it was a war that was so terrible that a lot of fallen soldiers still believe that the war is continuing. Um, and the theory states that, that since this is the land of death, it equates to the acceptance of fate. But if that were actually true, then why are all those spirits still, like, violently roaming around when you get there? Why are the Garo Ninja spirits uh, still trying to gain intel? Why are the Sol Children still patrolling the graveyard? Why are the Composer Brothers still unfulfilled? And why do the Redeads still dance for the royal family? Like, if you put on a royal mask, they will dance for you. It's because nobody realizes that there's no life left in the saying. Only hatred that's so big, it transcends lifetimes. 
Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't understand. I fail to understand why people think this is a realm of acceptance. And even if you were to claim that this land is of acceptance after Link cleanses the stone tower, it would still make it kind of the exception to the theory, because all the other places were going through their stage before Link arrives, not after. And uh, yeah. I doubt that it kind of really even changes that much, given how it's the only place that doesn't have any sense of closure after Link saves the day. You'll still yeah. find angry spirits everywhere. And yeah, that basically wraps it up. So as a fan, I do understand the desire to look at something that you love and believe and, like, aspire that it is larger than life. Um, but the thing is, is that when we choose to follow something that's a popular idea, just because it sounds cool or even really smart, we have a habit of closing ourselves off to our, our own personal higher thinking, you know, asking our, our personal analysis, asking ourselves. Yeah, so don't listen to Jake. <laughs> don't listen to me. Screw my opinion. Question, actually, no, actually question my opinion. Yeah. Because I'm like, ask yourself, why exactly is this sensible? How do I know this with certainty? And you know, maybe the whole theory is right and I'm wrong. Anuma did state that these places but do have intentional motion. that's just a theory. No, please don't do that. Again. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think these are these follow their own guidelines, not some guys on the internet. But you know, that doesn't make it any less special, nor does it make any less of an impact. Yeah, I tend to trust things that uh, Aonuma says himself. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, he actually talked about the fierce deity mask, which I was pretty interested on because I mean, yeah, I've been wondering. You guys for, like, wondered what years. what the uh, what the actual like spirit was in the fierce deity mask? Because I mean, they don't really explain it like the other ones. No, the other they ones don't. all have like they absolutely yeah. don't. Turns out. Uh, Aonuma said it's not can't it's not canonically correct, but I think he said something. He says something along the lines of basically that the fierce deity mask is the memories and lives of everyone in Termina, because every mask is not just the reason that it causes Link so much pain is because he's accepting their entire life into himself. He's accepting their 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 trials, their hardships, everything, even the good and the bad. And a lot of the times, there's a lot more bad, especially when you die. It's such so unforeseen ways, which is a lot of the ways that people get turned into these masks. So I assume it's so, not just the Fierce Deity mask that causes him so much pain. It's all of them for these reasons, I assume. All of them, but this is the worst one. Yeah. Like, this is the most intense, because this is literally all of Termina, and that's why it's such an important mask, because it's... Link, the reason that he has to give, kind of give up all these masks, I think, is because, you know, he's not really giving up the masks. He's, he's accepting what is to be his final fate, his final destiny in this game, which is to be the savior of Termina. And as such, he puts the weight of their lives on his shoulders or on his face in this in this case. Um, so the the fierce deity mask, what seems like such a simple like oh power up to the final boss you know whatever kind of plot device mm -hmm. is actually a very beautifully written uh, item. Yeah, and I never knew like there were so many fan theories about it like oh maybe it's Link's counterpart in Termina and it's his spirit or you know there's there was a lot of interesting theories but it's nice to have actual confirmation. Theories drive me yeah. crazy. The not knowing. <laughs> yeah. You want to know what I like knowing a little bit more about? Lay it on me. Amiibo. Because, I mean, we always speculate about what's going on with Amiibo. So, uh, it was nice to hear, actually, why Amiibo are the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, according to some reports, the scarcity of Nintendo products, such as Amiibo, were revealed to be the result of massive work strikes along the West Coast. Yeah, but you know... So, even a lot then... of these Amiibo are probably sitting in boxes... I that I know that much is true. Like this has mm -hmm. affected like almost ninety percent of stock coming in from Asia. But I still think it's awfully convenient that Nintendo is now putting the blame on this when they could have done this months ago and saved themselves yeah, a lot of very headaches. Late to do so. It is incredibly late news. This has been going on for months, and they and I would I would so be you more don't believe inclined, it to be genuine. I would be more or... inclined to believe that you know like all our problems are going to go away if they didn't you know basically crap into a microphone for three months straight saying things. Saying, giving constantly conflicting reports, like, oh, some of them will come back, no, some of them won't come back, and now we're getting, oh, they're all in a boat somewhere in the Pacific. 
And um, <laughs> I highly doubt, like, once this strike alleviates itself, we're going to see, like, a wall of villagers at GameStop. Like, it's not ju- it's just not going to happen. You'll probably see a few. Yeah. You'll probably maybe even get the one you wanted, but, like, don't expect these things to be, like, all over the place. I only hope. I actually, I got my friend a little Mac Amiibo for the holidays, Ooh. and he recently messaged me, and he's, yeah, I didn't know that it was actually going to be so rare. <laughs> uh, Jeff got him a Captain Falcon. Oh, God. And he's like, I cannot find either of those anywhere now. And he's like, I wouldn't have had them if you didn't get it for me. Oh. I just got it because that was my... Yeah, I was I was happy to hear that it actually was a really good gift. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I like stumbled upon Little Mac and a Target one time, like, I'm sorry, right around the time it released. And I was like... <gasps> and, like, I quickly, like, took it and ran because I was like, Caleb, oh, I'll never saying? see it again. I think uh, I texted I, Caleb. And I was like, hey, Caleb, I don't know if you have Little Mac, but they got him over here. Completely ingenuine. Or, like, I can't talk. <laughs> Cut that out. I'm t- pulling a jig. I'm not going to say it's not genuine, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's been so long that they could have said this. And months ago, they were just like, oh, it's just because we're not a toy company. We didn't prepare for this. It was never that there's an issue. It was just that they didn't prepare for it. Mm-hmm. But now, now there's another excuse. Yeah, I so. mean, it is it is a little bit fishy. I think Jake had a good point. Um, just... But I, I do like to try and give them benefit of the doubt, especially when we're, we, I mean, we, we kind sure. of criticize them a lot. Sure. And I think that's, it's good to give them criticism, but I mean, I, I try to keep somewhat of an optimistic outlook on these sort of things. Sure. Uh, so hopefully that the, the, uh, the Amiibos will make their way to the U.S. or to North America in general. So that, you know, because I said it last week, but I really do like, kind of feel bad for kids who want to get Amiibo and... They can't like kids who really like Shulk or Villager or Mega Man right. or Pac Man, and they can't get them. And then the casual fans who really like them can't get them either because it's such a hard time fighting through collectors. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked enough on Amiibo in general, mm-hmm. so you know we don't need to do it again. Yeah, but I hope they get their act together. True. Um, yeah, I mean, we see what they're doing with Marth. I think that if games require, or you know. A, say Xenoblade comes out and there's a big deal with the Shulk Amiibo, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to do what they need to do to to make more of that specific series of Amiibo. Yeah. But it's still not ideal. Yeah, no. Not at all. Uh, but things Actually, that we haven't... Truly t- the Beanie Babies. I'm sorry? They're truly the Beanie Babies. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> are. Yeah, it kind of is. It's, it's guess- funny you say that because now I'm thinking about it and it's like, oh yeah, it's going to be worth so much in the future and then it's not going to be worth anything. Yeah, that's the hope. Because honestly, I'm just I'm not collecting. A lot of the people are like buying two, you know, one out of the box, one in the box. I'm just sort Which of collecting absurd. it because. Yeah, it's like, dude, just come on, enjoy it. Either in either enjoy it or collect it or put it on the wall, but don't have two. Just make up your mind. Yeah. Because like I open all mine and I, I like display them. You know, these are things I'm probably gonna carry with me like forever. I I love. And you're these. gonna use them. I have yeah, them body, I but Shulk, and they're open. Yeah. I bought yeah, Kirby. Dude. I opened it immediately. I was very excited. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I can't tell you what to do with your money, but, like, especially when things are so scarce and you got to buy two of them because you can't make up your mind, like, that's that's just not fair. I can tell you what to do with your money because I love you. Uh, use it to to get uh, the the kick to support the Kickstarters I linked down below because they're pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, if you want to support the Kickstarters. Speaking of indie things, uh, Game DevCon happened this weekend, and there was a cool yeah, thing that happened. Yeah, a bunch happened. of my friends were there. Really? That's yeah, cool. I yeah yeah. I think I mentioned like forever ago. I was like helping design assets for a game. That oh. game is now being shown at GDC. Very so, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are working on the Oculus. I don't know if they'd be cool with me plugging them in here, but uh, the the studio is called Cherry Pie Games. If you mm-hmm. want to look them up, they're a great bunch of dudes, and yeah, they're designing stuff for VR. They're they're uh, working with Leap Motion. I don't know if you guys know what Leap Motion is, but it's uh, basically like imagine Connect but for your hands, and it tracks like every append like it tracks every part of your fingers, and it's actually but, really really but responsive. Jake, Connect Connect was already only for my hands. You know, that reminds me of the video of a guy controlling uh, Master Hand and Smash Bros using his actual hands. Oh, that sounds amazing. Is that was, actually a thing? Yeah, there's a cool video. I'll find it and I'll put it down below. Oh, uh, gosh. It was, in a, uh, it was like in a beta or something at that point or an alpha at that stage. Uh, but I wanted to talk about a cool thing that happened on the way to uh, Game of Def Con. So, Tell me. I'll paint you a picture. A tr- an Do Amtrak it. train leaves Chicago uh, on its and spends its 52-hour journey traveling across the country to San Francisco. On this train, you have 90 game indie gaming veterans, as well as 30-plus uh, game dev students, all working together and creating games on what is known as the second annual train jam. A, oh, a game jam that takes place on a train. You have some really cool things that went on here. Uh, one guy brought an entire VR setup, a portable one that he created so that they could work on a VR game on the train. Uh, one game that was really cool was a, uh, a game that tracks your eye movement. And they like, it it shoots out distractions at you. So like pop ups and Twitter thing, Twitter like t- tweets, uh, memes, things like that, all to try <laughs> oh, and get your memes. focus away. And good anything to get your focus away. And if you look away, you lose. So yeah, that actually sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a cool game that requires concentration. I think it's a great idea. Um, See, another guy. I'm, I'm noticing a lot of indie development is like trying to circulate towards more er- experimental ways to design mm-hmm. games and I'm, I'm all on board with that one guy took a pro- like like collection of objects he found around the train like uh, a hand wipe dispenser and things like that and made a uh, mm-hmm. a 3d version of the game tanks where you, it's like a it goes around the entire cylinder and you fire at the other oh, yeah. tank which you can't see because it's on the other side and you can travel around but you won't be able to see your tank anymore so it's a game about like trying to figure out how to maneuver and fire effectively and it's really cool. See, I like uh, I like stuff like this, like the the mm-hmm. eye movement thing, and you know all these emerging techs. Like they announce like so many headsets, but the problem I, I, I worry about all this is that since it's so emerging and it's mm-hmm. I, and I say it is very experimental, they probably won't have a massive install base. You know, once it comes out, like yeah. I'm I'm looking into investing the Sony Morpheus because I'm not a PC gamer, and you know I have a PS4, so I you know I'd start there. But the the problem I I, I think it's going to have is that. If it's only limited to the PlayStation 4, which I'm thinking it probably is, it means that the only people who are going to have one are going to be people who have a PS4, and not everyone who has a PS4 is going to get one of these. So the scope yeah. of customers is going to be really, really the cu- tiny. It's going to happen with what happened with Connect, which is every customer doesn't have these, so why develop for it when it's not going to be worth the the Yeah, effort? the vicious cycle of Connect development. It'll be more like There's, there's no games for it. Why do it I will. buy it? Or even... The the eye toy. Who even remembers I have that? Stop! You're gonna make me feel Oh, too. the eye toy! So, God, that was so much fun. Yeah, I still have one. That just that's pretty. Cool. I still have like I got a PlayStation like, camera for the PS4, but it's really not that great. Oh. <laughs> it it just doesn't do a whole lot. It's it's becoming a connect again, which is we didn't bundle this at launch, so nobody has it. Why develop for it? It's funny how you mentioned earlier that, that you're you're thinking about investing investing in Project Morpheus, and I reminded you of how you felt when you got the PS4 on launch day. <laughs> and um, what ends up what ended up happening was I, I saw a bunch of a lot of studios this year, Game Dev Con, uh, and a lot of companies in general and in, in tech were showing off their new VR device. 
Steam yeah. had Steam and HTC had one. Uh, PS the P, uh, PlayStation uh, Sony had one. Um, I believe that. Uh, Obviously, Oculus was showing off. Yeah. Um, I there think was, there was one other, but the name escapes me. Yeah, there were like th- like two or three others at least. It's already oversaturated. And they're not oh yeah, the, the, there's already way too many companies, and they all have something that's better about them that makes them stand out. Like one has better room tracking. One, uh, the one that that Steam is making apparently has no will not make anyone sick. That's no, there. it'll make zero percent of people sick. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's a big thing to say. No, let me tell you, it's actually kind of BS because I, I mentioned this before on the show. But uh, when we were developing for this game, I don't know if they're showing this one or a different one. But basically, it was it was it was basically like a haunted hayride. It's, it was very colorful and bright, you know, and kind of you know spooky, not scary. Spooky, spooky scary skeletons. But at the end of the game, we didn't really know what to do, and um, so one idea I pitched because you know it's it's a tale of Sleepy Hollow, so obviously the headless horseman is there. So I was like, okay, what if at the very end, what is the horseman what is comes what is so behind? interesting about the headless horseman? He doesn't have a head. Oh, so okay. what, what we thought about doing at the end is like he comes up from behind and he slices the back of your head clean off. And then you would head track your head falling. And they were like, absolutely, we cannot do that because it will give people intense, like massive, massive, like sickness. So like you can't just assume that your console is going to make people sick because like once you look at things in the first person, it's like I've, I've never had any motion sickness playing games, but the Oculus kind of like does that to you, you know? Really? No, I mean, I, I hear I agree oh, 100%. I mean, I've never been able to try out an Oculus Rift or anything like that, so I wouldn't know. But as far as I can tell, I don't think I would have anything like any of those kind of issues. I, I think the idea that happening sounds really cool. The head cutting yeah. thing. It's it's cool, like in certain like one thing that's always interesting is looking down from high places. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Oculus, it's actually pretty terrifying. Have you ever like closed your eyes and and like you're like starting to drift off to sleep, but you feel like that sudden feeling like you're falling, and you yeah. just wake back up immediately, just. Uh, dude, it's it's it, that, that yeah, I know exactly what you that mean. That terror, it's just like oh god. And I kind of was like, I was thinking the other day, like, how cool would it be if I could just like not freak out and just go with it? Just go with it? Yeah, just kind of go with that sensation. Isn't there like a Korean like uh a Korean like folk tale that says that if you fall in a dream and you don't wake up in time, you actually die in real life? You die in the dream. You die for oh, God. <laughs> Uh, Inception. Good thing we're not Koreans. My favorite quote from my favorite movie, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I forgot about it. Isn't that Taylor Lautner's like, no. first big movie? No, we can't get into this. You know what we should Why? get into? You, get that movie? Uh, no, like you know how Laboratory, the creators of the amazing, amazing Kirby games? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Kirby. Yeah, well, they, they released their latest 2D platformer called the Box Boy. That's not Box Kirby. Boy? Yeah, the main character's name is not Box Boy, but QB. That is too similar to Kirby. Get out. <laughs> so he's just Kirby, but a square. It's QB. yeah, real original. <laughs> Ooh. It has. Oh, Q- oh QB. Yeah, it's uh, the it, it's really it's kind of cool. Uh, it's uh, you create boxes uh different of different shapes and sizes and use those to get over obstacles. You can only have one of those boxes available at any given time. Uh, I only saw a couple minutes of the uh, ten minute demo that was available. Um, you can watch it down below if you're interested. Uh, it seems like a fun little game that seems pretty casual. Nothing that's uh, going to be too difficult, but you know, a fun little puzzle teaser if you're in the right mood. Um, Yo, hashtag QB for Smash Five. No, yeah. we don't need. We don't. Need uh, Box Boy was actually originally a uh, a game that was released in Japan, 
but now it's actually going to be getting a North American release later this year. I can't um, wait for the sequel, was... Bag Boy. <laughs> bag Boy. <laughs> Cynical. Caleb, and, do you ever feel boy? like a plastic bag drifting, drifting through the wind? Drifting in the wind. <laughs> Wanting to start hoping, again. Hoping to start this podcast again, yes. <laughs> because that, that's, that's probably how Bag Boy would play out. <sighs> yes, Adam, of... sigh deeply. <laughs> we'll have Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy. No, just regular Meat Boy. Speaking of uh, cool indie games that were pretty huge not too long ago, uh, one that won game dev and indie game of the year, Shovel Knight is getting Battletoads. Yeah, Did anyone see I that? saw that. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Except everybody call GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, does anybody know that prank? Uh, I do not. Okay, so there was a thing where basically. I think it was on it was online somewhere, but basically they they got people to call GameStop and ask about Battletoads two if they had Battletoads two or they were accepting pre orders for Battletoads two. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole joke. That yes, cool That's... meme, dude. <laughs> Sweet yeah, meme, bro. It's the it's the <laughs> dumbest thing that a lot you, of people you really do. you really got them, guys. You mm, did it. You did it. <laughs> you dastardly kids in your dank memes. You that picture of the kid like <laughs> cheering in front of the computer, like yes. Oh, dude. Speaking of uh, memes, no. Did you guys hear? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go on. Meme run got taken off the Wii U eShop. <gasps> Adam, <laughs> include applause. <laughs> oh my God, this is actually good. Why? Caleb, you sound so happy. I am happy. For Caleb, happiness is like, you talk a little bit louder. Like it runs in a circular like... motion, I think. I get a little <laughs> higher pitched at the fact that oh, hundreds of kids are depressed because they can't get their dank memes through their Wii U pad. <laughs> Did they ever mention, like, why they took oh, it yeah, off? Oh, um, yeah. The, because the it was reasoning... a sin. Well, the reasoning they <laughs> took it down, and I don't think Nintendo confirmed this, but uh, apparently... Trollface is actually copyrighted, Thank and the God. guy, the guy who patented it, was not very happy that uh, he was he was cool with it being used in the game, but he didn't receive any notice, he didn't receive any paid for it, and uh, so they just straight up took the thing down because he filed oh. a, a claim against them. So nice, he's he's it, secretly I don't, a hero. I don't know if they'll ever put the game back up. I think the only way they'll do that is if they come to an agreement, um, or if they change the the, the main character's face because the guy is a trollface. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the world is weeping and mourning. Actually, I kind of did want to download it just to be like, just to see what it is. Just to then again, experience. Then again, he'd have my money. So <laughs> yeah. Don't give bad people your money, kids. Life lessons. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give it to the the Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Should I edit in like you saying something actually like meaningful there? Yeah. Sure. I was gonna say like a controversial name, but then I was like, "Nah, I shouldn't do it." Don't give it. To- it, was, it was the name of a person we were talking about before the podcast. I Caleb. Know. I know that's my job. <laughs> Hello, Adam. I was gonna just put that in there. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? Let's just let's just move on. I'm tired of this topic. I don't want to talk about memes anymore. <laughs> let's go to the fan topics. Let's go to the fan topics. I would love. I to hope they're memes. Hmm. I hope the fan topics consist of more memes. Oh God! Hey, Caleb. Pump it. Pump Caleb. memes into my blood. The memes, Jack. Blood. Oh god. Dear ZI Podcast, you. you thought this topic would not include memes much misled. <laughs> this is this is Caleb's last appearance on this podcast. I rate this great eight out of eight, not eight. Okay. Mate. Anyway, <laughs> right. Chris D writes My son loves to play Smash Bros, and I was wondering if you could explain the game to me. 
I know this is a weird question, but I seem to get nowhere with the game, but he loves it, and I was hoping you could shed, shed some light to this so I could play the game with him. Thanks, Chris Smash D. Brothers? Okay, let me lay it later. The reason that what I was this guy's name again? Chris D. Hello, Chris The D. reason that I thought this was actually a, worth talking about on the podcast, no offense to you, Chris D, thank you for submitting your question, but I thought it was actually pretty good because, I mean, Smash Bros. is a weird game. Like, trying to define it, define it very clearly and accurately to not make Platform it brawler. Hmm? Platform brawler. Yeah. People hit each other <laughs> harder and harder until they fall I can off. describe the game in five words. Okay, Caleb, you first, then I'm going to rant. Up. Knock them off the stage. That's it's, it's smash. Yeah. Yes. So basically, knock them off the stage. So basically, what it is is you gotta like look at the tier list, or whatever. Okay, and like if you pick a character like Meta Knight or or Diddy Kong, then it just shows that you really just you're just trying to win, and you're just like being awful, and you're trying to break the. You meta. do realize no like, one ever says so, that. It's so unfair how broken these characters are. Like it's like you're playing as Little Mac, and it's like you're you're so obviously only playing Little Mac. So that's that's what you. So what that's you what need you, to do that's is smash put in melee, pick Kirby. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst idea. Just, just pick Kirby and hail him. Walk off the stage. <laughs> Pro strat. To be Pro a competitive tips. Smash Brothers player, you you just gotta you just you, yeah. But no, <laughs> super super duper blood memes aside, uh, if I had to walk up to someone who who didn't know anything mm-hmm. and and describe Smash as as easily and fast as possible, I'd say, you know who Pac Man and Mario are, right? And hope they say yes. Imagine them punching each away. other in the face. Yeah, it's like, would you like to see Pac-Man with limbs, and 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 Mario without try limbs, to throw each other off the stage? Just a limbless Mario. And then they as, swap. as as Grandma goes, yes, I, I I would like to see that. You go, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> buy a Wii U or and and play it. And just throw throw them off the stage. And, and with by the or way, without items. Smash Brothers is really good. I I don't think all those things. I'm. Although I will say, okay, mm-hmm. we all have our controversial opinions on the show. Yeah. Okay. Adams is he's uh-huh. he's not he's not crazy about Wind Waker. Uh, Caleb hates Zelda and all video games in general. Triple Q actually has no siblings of letters in the alphabet, so it's just Triple Q. There's no Triple Y or Triple Z or anything. Well, like I that. thought his brother was like Double Q or nope. something. <laughs> but uh, my my opi- my controversial opinion. Uh, okay. One Adam, of many. Post Adam. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have a request. Okay. After I say what it is, I need you to put in the wombo combo scream. Are you ready? No. That's gonna. I'll send you the wombo so combo scream. People, I doubt dude. you will. I promise I will. Wombo combo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I think the Smash competitive scene is silly and unnecessary. I think it's fun. Yeah, I th- I like it. I okay. I think it's it's slightly better than the League of Legends scene. I it, anything's yeah, better than the League. The of thing Legends. is, I think you posted about that on Twitter. How like the League of Legends uh, scene is garbage, but people who like this character belong at the bottom of the garbage bin. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, Obviously, right. I know there are flaws to my to the reasoning I'm about to give you, and, and just my idea in general, because it's a very passionate scene. A lot of people care about the game, and I totally admire and respect that. But I feel like esports and sports in general are just like trying to defeat trying to show your prowess over somebody by proxy hey like bro, i, I hey think bro, it's, five. i think yeah thank you i think it's just as silly to watch football as it is watching two guys like badmouth each other about smash brothers like it's it's silly to me you know what's silly to um, me um like go on uh warner bros is making an adventure time movie like that's a oh, good really? idea i think that could be pretty well they best name that too 
You, do you like printing Adventure. money, Adam? What? Do you like printing money? Yeah. Yeah, so do they. It's a good idea. No, it's a terrible idea. It's gonna be bad. It's, you can't say that. Adventure time to watch a better you, show. You really can't oh. say that. We have nothing on the movie to say it's bad. <laughs> Triple Q is gonna be here all week making dank memes. Sweet, yo. <laughs> have you guys ever played... Yeah. By the way, have you guys ever played 420 Blaze It YOLO Game of the Year? That's... Is that a thing? That's, That's a thing, and I have to tell you guys, it is a masterpiece. Caleb, I know you hate memes more than you hate I've video games. I've already played it. Oh, you have? Yeah. Caleb actually thoughts? was on the dev team for it. Caleb. My thoughts are I have no thoughts, and I would like to actually stop bringing up memes in, at all for the rest of the show. <laughs> okay, all, all I'm going to say about it, because I'm not, I'm not even going to say the word meme, is that that game is a perfect representation about what the gaming industry thinks of gamers. And it, it like, follows every stereotype to a T in, like, one quick, like, game that was made in a few days. It's it's really cool. You guys should go check it out. It's called, like, 420 Game of the Year, or 420 Blaze of Game. You look up 420 Blaze of Game of the Year, you'll find it. Have you guys heard about Majora's Mask? It's a pretty good game, I guess. <laughs> 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 no, it's it's a fun time. <clears throat> you know what's more absurd than that? I bet I could be Tell there. me what's more absurd. Okay, do you know what the game Dying Light? Time? Oh. Wait, what? <laughs> what, what, Adam? <laughs> uh, the game Dying Light has the uh -huh. most expensive collector's edition ever. What? Why? Okay, how do much? you want to hear what? what's in it, or do you want to hear how much it costs first? I want to wanna... hear, first tell me what's in it, because I want to see if it's going to justify the number that I'm about okay. to hear. I'm going to, I'm going to, like, okay. do the math in my head. Go on. Okay. You get two Razer headphone sets. Four signed steel box Xbox One copies of Dying Light, a full size statue of a zombie from the game, your face in the game, full size? zombie survival parkour lessons, night vision goggles, and uh, a pack of adult diapers for the, how scary the game is, a round trip ticket to Techland par to the Techland party with with Steve the Zombie Consultant, and a custom built zombie proof shelter. You get a house. Stuff like this really bothers me more than it probably should. You want to know how much it costs now? How much does it cost? Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Oh my god! But oh, I'm only dude. like two hundred uh, pounds. Actually, um, actually, I think I'd like to. I think Saints Row. 4. No, this is the most. This yes, is actually the was... most expensive. This beats Saints Row. No, 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 no. No, this beats Saints, Saints Row. Saints Row was like a million dollars. No, it was. It so. was crazy up there. I'm pretty sure it was at least in the millions because it's a. It's a trip to the space, and also um, you no, get plastic Rose surgery. thing was literally marketed as like the million dollar thing. I yeah, I yeah. believe yeah. so. Is two hundred and fifty dollars like pounds more expensive than? I don't that? think anybody got it. I don't it. think it's actually like a legitimate <laughs> thing that they're actually offering. I don't think that this is a legitimate. No, this is thing actually a legitimate actually thing offering. you can buy. Okay, it makes me hate this garbage game even more than I already did. We need to confirm. Was the was the uh, the Saints Row one real? Yeah. They were they were offering that on sale for like a million bucks. Yeah, million dollar edition. Yeah. Uh and apparently it's sold. Wait, wait, hold on. It's what? a joke package. Oh, no, it couldn't be. It's not real. It, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. Did somebody actually buy it? I don't know. Like there was only one copy of it and it, it it's never been a few, like nobody knows if anyone actually ever bought it, but I don't think I don't think anyone actually bought it. I don't think so either. I don't think so, by default, if someone bought this, then it'd be the most expensive one ever sold. Let me see. Regardless. 
So, Caleb. Stop, stop just doing things just to do things. It really bothers me. What? I feel like this is just a big thing for attention and just because you can and. It's stop. marketing! Oh, dude, You're I legit actually... thought you were talking to me. I was like, no. actually, no. it is real. The Saints the Row one? It is genuinely real. The Saints Row one. Yes. Yes. I did not believe yeah. it. No. No, I do trust me. I didn't believe it either. I, I did. I saw a whole lot of it. But some site did a calculation. Yeah, it's like $600,000. Not yeah. actually a million. Yeah, it, not actually a million. No, that's how much it costs for the things that are in the package. You're paying yeah. $400,000 extra for the DLC benefit of it. <laughs> yeah. Paying premium with the gaming industry. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's next? Alright. Do you guys want to talk about perfect boss battles? I would love to. All right, this it's, everyone it's in literally impossible to do that though. Uh, Adrian Brown writes in, and I'm gonna kind of summarize this one a bit because it's a it's a sort of longer question. Hey guys, I I have a topic for you to discuss. Recently, I played Majora's Mask 3D. Majora is one of my favorite games in the series, but this playthrough reminded me of one thing I didn't like about it. Gorg, that boss can be really annoying if you don't know what to do. Once I beat him, I spent like 30 minutes fighting him. A weird question came to my mind. Is Georg actually the type of boss we Zelda fans have asked for for years? What do I mean by that? Well, I've always wanted a boss which can be tackled in different ways. One that doesn't require one specific weapon to beat him, and that requires some sort of strategy and not just reckless hits. Georg may be close to that utopia. The guy can be damaged by using arrows, but also with direct attacks using the Zora Mask. Once in water, the player can continue that strategy, which is definitely harder, or use the spiked bombs floating around when he opens his mouth to absorb water. There's no hand-holding here besides Tile's basic advice. The player really has to observe and analyze the boss's movements to come up with an attacking plan. I'm not saying I like Georg. However, I still think it's annoying and difficult for both newcomers and long-time players. But if that's the case, maybe we don't need Zelda bosses that would be different from the standard. I love Stalord, Twilight Princess, but he's pretty much the same kind of boss we're accustomed to in Zelda, and I think that's okay for me. What do you think? What's your idea of the perfect boss battle? Greetings, well, Adrian Brown, Costa Rica. No perfect Thank anything you, Adrian. exists. Well, he, you are right about that, Caleb, but... Adrian did bring up a lot of good points. The cool thing about... And I'm not gonna... I, okay. So, Majora's Caleb, Mask did have some good up, boss battles. Up. Caleb, don't be a cynic. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No idea is perfection. No, he's, well, he is he is correct. There is a flaw with, with every kind of boss well, battle. Well, that's, that's why it's... Hard enough. Perfection is, is wholly imperfect in its ideal. And that's why it's perfect. So... Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Majora's Mask, really quick. All the boss battles are really interesting in that way because, yeah, every single one of them, not just Gyor, you, you could tackle in a different way. Like, the only one where it was the most confined was the, the second boss battle, Goat. Um, but that still required you to use your knowledge of the game mechanics in, in a very clever way. It wasn't mm -hmm. just hit an arrow on an eyeball or, like, use a hookshot to extract the amoeba. You actually had to use the Goron rolling form and, like, mind your magic, mind your, your turning. It got a little frustrating, but it was really good. I think the big problem everyone has with the Georg battle is that A, he, he takes down three hearts per, per hit. Like, it's ridiculous. And the camera angle wasn't so great in the original. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as perfect boss goes, for me, um, I would have to say... God, actually, I, I think I know... Um, ooh, someone else. Then I'll think. Prince <laughs> Borkin from currently. the Wonderful 101. What's that? Prince Fork and Wonderful the, uh, the Describe the boss battle. Ocarina of Time is what you're thinking of, I think. The, uh, the, what's his name? Something Knight? Oh god, what? this is on the tip of my tongue. What? It's one, It's like a mini boss battle. Is that what you're thinking of? Me? Yes. 
Oh, I was th- I was talking about. Uh, I think the name is Morpha. Do you think? Do you... But yeah, that one works too. Uh, do you know who I was talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about the guy in the fire. Uh, no, he's something knight. God, I can't remember this at all. Anyways, Caleb, tell us more about the W101 fight. Uh, Prince Borkin from the Wonderful 101. Uh, kind of spoilers, kind of not. Uh, he uh basically is a mirror of you and your abilities, and those are my personal favorite types of bosses. So like because... Shadow Link and uh, Zelda 2. I don't know. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> but like most character action game bosses, I know a lot I, of people I actually like. haven't played Zelda 2, which is a shame. But yeah, uh, in Zelda 2 you fight. I'm just gonna explain. In Zelda 2, you fight Shadow Link as your final boss. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, but he has all your abilities, things like that. And he's hard. He's very hard. Yeah. Kill it, resume. The Wonderful 101, you control a group of 100 people, and Prince Forkin can also do the same. So you all have the same set of skills, the exact same thing. There's no difference. And I, I like bosses like that, because you're no, basically you fighting mean. yourself. And no. there's there's no BS. There's no like. I mean, we talked about it with this isn't even last my week. final form, so mm-hmm. I like I like things like that. Yeah, we talked about it with Smooth last week the idea of you know like fighting Shadow Link and fighting uh, just different kinds of cool villains, and I think that I totally agree with that. Where you know you're fighting a villain who's equal to you in strength is the kind of best villain because there's no idea. You don't really have an idea of like who would actually win. So going into that fight, you might not know if you'll actually survive. Uh, depending on the storytelling, you might lose uh, overall, even if you beat the boss. Well, not even for storytelling, just as much as it's just nice to play against something that's as fair as it can get. I think it should also feel formidable. And that's, I mean, that's why I like it, because it does, there is somewhat of a formidableness to fighting your, your mirror self. Yeah. In, But I feel like with that kind of thing, like, uh, when whenever I have a mirror fight, I oh I always feel I always like, break oh, my hand on the glass. Like, it's very painful. There's like there's got to be some imperfection that they have, because that's how that's usually how those kinds of fights work. Yeah. Like, oh, can I manipulate the terrain to make them walk on something? Like, yeah. In in Isaac Rebirth, there are these enemies that always do the same kind of attacks you do, and there's usually like. Like spikes on the floor, like you're gonna manipulate the terrain to make them walk on spikes, mm-hmm. and maybe like also in Lethal League. Oh, I love Lethal League. In the Lethal League is mode, a great game if you haven't yeah, played it. It's basically like, how do you describe Lethal League? You got it. You basically battle it, pong. It's extreme pong. Extreme yeah, but you're pong hitting the other person. You, yeah, and you go up to like 700 miles but, per hour. It's amazing. But yeah, in Lethal League, there's this there's this fight where um you're facing a mirror version of yourself but the trick is that his his um actions are like maybe a quarter of a second behind yours and you got to manipulate that so that that's my that's my opinion on mirror fights it's it's a they're good fights but the imperfection of the of your clone is the key to taking them down that's what i think i never played the one, the wonderful one on one. So I don't know about that one, but yeah. And I think it, I think it adds right. to I, the growth of the character overall, because it's mm-hmm. like defeating yourself has always been a big part of like I guess you could say the hero's journey, in a lot of media, a lot of stories, um. And I always like that how that aspect kind of plays into how you know overcoming what is 
essentially imperfect yeah, is the best you. way to yeah. understand what you need to improve and what you need to yeah actually um there's actually a great example of a boss fight kind of similar to this where it not only because boss fights are typically you know actually typically they're always like tests of like what you've learned up to that point but oftentimes if they're creative they can punish you for things you've done like uh metal gear uh as as some of the people here might know is on oh, par yeah. with zelda for me so and there's this each i can tell you each like amazing oh, boss battle for each game talk about but the yeah, sorrow yeah, I know the sorrow for metal gear solid 3 is probably one of the most significant boss battles of any game because basically what you're looking at here is uh big boss is having it he's basically he's having a little bit of a nightmare that he, he can't wake up from and um he's confronted with uh this 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 phantom who calls himself the sorrow and basically the whole point of this battle is you're walking through a river like knee deep and you are being confronted with every soldier and every person you have killed in the game and um you can't you can try to radio in like any support you have no knowledge of like what to do you just got to keep going and you you have to like deal with every single person that you that you killed and they're all dead they're all ghosts like they limp towards you even it's really really dark and um, like making it towards the end, it really depends on how like how you play the game. Like it can actually be a really simple thing where you only go through the boss characters, or it could go on for ages because you killed so many people. And like a confrontation <laughs> of guilt. I love the uh, the flash animation. I think it was year after, where it's just like, dude, how many people? Like it's like a thousand people, and he's like, what did you do? This is a sneaking game. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's a it's a sneaking game, so it it punishes you if you didn't like play the game. As if it doesn't punish you enough. Yeah, Metal, Metal Gear, Gear is load is like loaded with great boss battles. Even uh, I'm not a huge fan of Metal Gear Rising, but it did have some pretty great. But the only boss battle I didn't like was against Jetstream Sam, who was like. Wait, did you say you're not rival. a fan of Rising? What's that? You said you're not a fan of Rising? No, I'm really not. Oh, um, hello. Hi there. I <laughs> okay. I liked the gameplay. It felt really good cutting through stuff. The story was dumb. The Raiden's character was dumb. Uh, everyone was dumb. But it was a lot of fun, and the bosses were really fun. So you just don't like the game for the story? Yeah, I I, I, I have, issue, I have issues with the game myself. I'm not going to get into it. I just, I thought you were going to make Platinum well. Games has never had a good grip on I third-person I don't like Platinum camera. Games. No. That's just a personal opinion. All right, you're going too far. Uh, well, actually, no, 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 no. I, I'm, Platinum's I'm on, I'm, perfect. Hold on. You wouldn't understand. I'm on Adam's ship. I actually don't really care much for Platinum Games. I respect oh. them. I think they're a talented studio. It's but not my thing. I think there's a lot of things they do that they need to improve on. Mm -hmm. They put a lot of style over Flash. Or, I'm sorry, they put a lot of style over Substance. Like, uh, Metal Gear Rising and Bayonetta look really pretty. And, you know, they're all great. And wishy wish, there's so much action. Yeah, run down the building. Had some the third-person cameras it, but it didn't are have... so bad. <laughs> yeah. The cameras are so so bad, dude. They're really bad. You can I lock will on say it. that I've always criticized Platinum for having terrible cameras, but I think they do everything else fine. Coming no, from the someone cameras who are terrible. Story in my the, video the battling game. is fun. No, like they're like let me. God, Metal Gear Rising is really cathartic if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Just like being able to slice through things, but God, it's really frustrating because the game wants you to challenge dip more difficult difficulties, but um, like it's impossible when you have like ten like. They're called silverbacks, which are basically like cyborg gorillas. They're like ten of them in an arena, but you can only fix it on one at a time, and they're well, all attacking you simultaneously. Well, that's that's just personal ability, though, because like I, I beat it on Revengeance with. I wouldn't say it was completely a cakewalk, but it was it was pretty easy. I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy to parry, but I mean, it's it's still pretty crazy. Like well, trying it's not to not about parrying; it's just trying to learn how to use offensive defensive or whatever it's called. 
it's oh, the real enemy was the camera. <laughs> yeah, no, that was like that the was camera. I will always agree like with, you with the camera. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Ocarina's camera was not as bad as Metal Gear Rising. Oh yeah, I just like to make fun of it because it's, it's an easy target. You like to make fun of it because it's the cool thing to make fun of these days. No, I just always make fun. Jake, seriously, I'm I love you. Whoa. I do hate Ocarina though. But I don't hate is yeah. uh, Shadow of the Colossus, which I think is I was the actually going to mention Shadow of the Colossus, uh, or uh, I think Shadow of the Colossus, uh, God of War. Both of those games do like. Boss battles. I think it's also overrated, but I think it still does boss battles pretty well. Yeah, I mean those are the those are the heights of heights of the games. Uh, God of War and Shadow of the Colossus both have that similar aspect where you know the boss fight is why you're playing the game. Well, God of War is also just more flash. That's that's true and it's cool, but like if it were if that's really all that was Shadow of the Colossus, sixteen straight boss battles, I'm cool with that. No, no, but no, but it's, it's kind that? of like that's the that's kind of the the part that you're waiting for when you're playing the game. It's like. The boss it, battle just, is, um, like, it's because an, there is no game in between the boss battles. It's just unnecessary. It has one of the most unnecessary overworlds I've ever seen in a game. There's no I reason for it to 100%. be that big. There's no reason for it to be that big if there's nothing in it, it except for lizards playing a Zelda game. There are lizards that inexplicably increase your health bar or something or your grip stamina. But it's the why. It's the. What do you think about like Dark Souls in terms of like boss battles? I think I was going to mention that as well, but I was going to say uh, Punch-Out, but I'll get into Dark Souls. I like Punch-Out's boss battles. They're very simple um, and very n- well done. They're just polished. Yeah. It's just yeah, learning to not always agree with your muscle memory mm-hmm. and pay attention. That's I mean, that's I like. that's simple. That's the simple theory of boss patterns is to just... Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah. With Dark Souls, though, I was going to say Ornstein and Spell, for sure. Or one of my favorite Can bosses. Can you explain that boss? Um, It's... Not the first multiple enemy boss in Dark Souls, but it's the first multiple enemy boss where it yeah, really they both, matters. Like, they feel they like two separate bosses. Bar. Yeah, with their own separate yeah. health bar that attack you oh, in different Oh, yeah, and patterns. if you don't take them both down within quick succession to each other, the other one rises back up? Well, no, not, not necessarily. Oh, I think no, 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 no. Um, yeah. If one dies, the other one consume, becomes more powerful. Yeah, they consume the one that dies and gain its abilities. Oh, wow, that's, that's and it And it, it varies on which one you kill, and the other one can consume the other one's abilities. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a really good boss Most... fight, because one kind of sticks to range more than the other one, but they can both go like right up in your face. And I mean, and Dark Souls is a game that lets you have really options well. as to how you play the game, so right. it's kind of like... And this... Most... Most people just summon someone else. Which is a bad way to do it, but, like, this boss fight for a solo play is a really good progression blocker for, like, teaching people to stop always relying on your locking on ability. Yeah. I think locking on abilities are good in games, but when they're basically a necessity to be able to play the game, it's becoming a problem. And in Dark Souls' case, it's better to really not use it as much as you can. So. Yeah, I haven't told that before. By the way, Caleb. Yes. We didn't exactly get to this, but why why is it you said that you didn't like Metal Gear Rising? Um, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd prefer to sit down and like collect my thoughts before I really got into that. Yeah, but would while. you just simply is it gameplay story like? Which uh, I don't I don't you? care about story and anything. Um, uh, it, it's 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 like reusing. It's it's a four hour game that reuses a lot of content, and uh, I I definitely think it's one of Platinum's weaker games mm-hmm. because. It feels very thrown together. Yeah, Speaking of things that mean. don't look thrown together, Source 2. Have you guys Source heard about two. that? Source 2. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, company Valve uh, has a has an engine called Source. Uh, it's what they use for a lot of their games, all their games. 
Uh, it's a really good engine. It's really user-friendly. So people that are really interested in trying to learn how to work with an engine and things like that, or how to create content in general, uh, Source is a great place to start. Uh, well, they announced Source 2 recently at GDC 2015. And the thing that they said that they focused on the most was how they wanted to make it even more easier for people to interact. They felt that Source wasn't good enough in how simple it was. Like UI? Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy because Source was the game, the, the game engine that was the easiest to start with. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go online on any Steam or Source-based Steam game, you'll find hundreds of thousands of mods. It's crazy how much user content that there is made. I mean, uh, the only thing that rivals that is probably Skyrim. But it's Skyrim. <laughs> um, yeah. Skyrim sucks. Amen, brother. <laughs> you like Skyrim? <laughs> Um, I, I like Skyrim. I, like, it's one of those games where it's like, okay, let me explain, because I, I know now people don't like it as much as they do. You mean it Zelda out. U, pre-Zelda U? <laughs> I guess kind of, <laughs> if you think about it, but... I, I feel like no, there's going to be different comparisons drawn between the two. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Alnuma himself has said, like, he's he took a lot of, like, inspirations from, not, not the gameplay of Skyrim, but the openness. Yeah. Oh, Before boy. we get into that, tell me why you don't like Skyrim. Or why you do like Skyrim. I forget who said what... Well, I like it. Whoever said they don't like it, go ahead. Uh, Triple, I think, said he didn't like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, why didn't you like it? Um, uh, because the combat isn't good. The world's kind of boring. Yeah. The, the, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the lore, because some people like that. But Yeah. And basically, to make it even tolerable, you got to put, like, a billion mods into it, like, the only the only acceptable way to play Skyrim is if your protagonist is modded to be fifty cent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't feel the same way about Oblivion, the 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 prequel to it. And I I mean I love Oblivion, like I mean I wish it had a lot of the things that Skyrim was able to offer. But I liked how solid Oblivion felt. Skyrim feels like it's kind of undone. It's not finished yet. It doesn't feel like Elders, it. Elder Scrolls is his first person Zelda where the combat is. Up there a lot, but it's not fun. And in Skyrim's case, especially, the world is terrible. Oh the yeah, the, just the general design of the world is very bleak. It's very empty. Everything looks very shoddy. I like how in Oblivion you had these amazing like cities and these interesting locations, whereas in Skyrim it's caves, wooden households. And and Skyrim is just that was the biggest snow. problem I had with it. If I had to explore one more Draugr-ridden cavern, I was gonna shoot myself. Oh yeah, no, that drove me nuts. Just just that sound effect over and over again playing. That's all I listened to. Sure was fun shooting that lightning spell at dragons. It was so good, just holding down that button and slowly turning towards the dragon. Oh, yeah. Like, you're... Dragon combat sure like holding good. a panoramic view on a camera. Jesus, I hate Skyrim so much. I mean, I, I like it, but the thing is is that I didn't play Oblivion, so I have nothing really to... This is my first Elder Scrolls game, so I really don't have anything I'm very sorry. To. That's a bad place to start. Yeah, my girlfriend always gets so mad when I tell her I haven't played Oblivion. Because like, she's always like, Shivering Isles! Oh my god! She's played, played Shivering Isles? I never knew that. Yeah, she loves That's Shivering my Isles. favorite. So. Oh. Your girlfriend has better taste than you do. <laughs> I want to be, be better friends than her. Oh, why but, why like, are you on the podcast? Can we get Lyra on the podcast? Yeah, let's get Lyra on the podcast. <laughs> like right the day that Jake was fired. No, no, Okay. Okay. Um, so I like Skyrim enough because, I don't know, I will say that, like, it it does feel like it's a bit, it's a watered-down experience, but, like, the stuff that is there... A snowed-down experience, would you say? 
sure. No, no one. But the the, stu- the the stuff there itself is like can form itself tightly enough to make a really decent experience. Like, but if I they... have to ask, what stuff? Um. Well, I guess really one of the biggest things I have is like the the thrill of exploration that the game okay. gives you. Like, I, I know, like obviously, you know, you can probably cite like fifty other examples, but like. You know, started the game for the first time and like giving your main quest, and then you're like, "How about I just backtrack 50 miles in the opposite direction?" You just start walking along That's the a... road, and a quest just pops up, and it just feels like an adventure is forming in I, front of I your eyes. I never, I logged over 200 hours in the game, and I never beat the man, the main campaign. I didn't, and it was actually pretty cool in some ways to see how like the things I was doing outside the world would sometimes play into the the main campaign. <laughs> like, uh, you really I, I need to go master. to the mountain. Uh, like now, <laughs> can you please just go meet with no, the elders? Like, it's like no, I'm. I have. I have this job to do. But I have one to of, carry one of the, this watermelon to the dragon temple. The, like the one of the best examples I can think Give of. Give me sweet worlds. Like, um, I became. Are we gonna do the arrow and then? No, no okay, we're not. <laughs> no. Why does? Why uh, can't I just mention my love for sweet rolls? So, anyways. Um, uh, one of the most common things I can remember is I became the master of the thieves guild, and I went to like, I'm proud of you. In congratulations. Campaign. Yes, thank you. Uh, I went to like this party that you're supposed to go to the main campaign where you're supposed to like steal information, and I saw like uh, this briar who was at the party who's like secretly affiliated with the thieves guild, and like I spoke to him, which was like you can't talk to me here, like we can't even make eye contact, like go go away, go do like, and it was actually really cool. I was like, whoa, she remembers me for my own for my own stuff. That's cool. I don't know. I just like seeing things like that. Like it felt like I was actually making my own journey in some way. Which ways. is funny because the uh, the Assassins Guild or the Dark Brotherhood. Dark Brotherhood. Yeah, and that game is terrible. As opposed, to yeah, Sonic it wasn't Chronicles as good as the, um, Dark the Dark Brotherhood. Wasn't as good as Oblivion, I hear. Yeah, it's they basically get like shrunk down to the size of a cult, like a very small cult, as opposed to, they in, to like, in Oblivion rebuild. they were like a big powerhouse. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. One thing, one problem I you had with it. Sonic Chronicles is where it's at. Sonic Chronicles: The Dark Brotherhood. That's oh, that's I played that game. It actually that's... wasn't terrible. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. <laughs> that's the real. That's probably the worst soundtrack for any game I've ever. Heard. Oh, the, the music was terrible. It uh... was worse than Yoshi's New Island Kazoo. Oh, dude, Adam, put in the Yoshi's no. Island Kazoo, please. Nope, not doing please. anything. Yoshi so can we stop these? reviewing five-year-old games now? <laughs> <laughs> We're having discussions, Caleb. Those are not fun. <laughs> Skyrim's bad. That's all you have to say. Well, I did see this one video of the thing. One thing that was mildly amusing to me in Skyrim was like getting uh, like a thousand cheese wheels going to the top of the mountain and just rolling them all down. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty. I like the videos of people like stealing everything in Whiterun. Like, like I I enjoy the the antics that people had. I remember in December, uh, we posted about how some guy on PC Gamer was. Uh, attempting to be Santa Claus in Skyrim and do the whole thing in one night using mods. Oh yeah, you mentioned And the that. insane adventures that he went on. It didn't go very well for him. Did he make it in time? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he failed horribly. Good, as he should. You cut our boss battles discussion short, but we're still talking about <laughs> we Skyrim. We are still talking about boss battles. <laughs> I have Can't... so much more things to say. Caleb, tell us about Caleb, tell us your vote. Your, I was your, gonna your... say that Artorias in the Dark Souls DLC was also very good. Oh, yeah! That that was a good fight, yeah. yeah. Was. What was that like? I agree. Uh, imagine a man with a big sword who does bunny hops to your face. He he was really, he was really, really fast, and he just... It basically felt like... A punch-out like boss. Fighting a dark, like fighting a dark nut in Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. 
He has a like cool design. That. I like his design a lot. Yeah. It's probably yeah, the I like hardest kind of, I like those... fight in Dark Souls. He has a very Final Fantasy look to him. I, li I like those straight up fights where um where they're 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 agile and and you have a sword and they have a sword too and it's almost like a they match, pretty much have really. the same the same kind of mobility that you have. That's why I a huge part of in Twilight Princess I enjoyed was fighting those dark nuts and especially when you fought like four of them at a time. And Artorius is like that too. And and another um, good example of that is um, the fight with Kratos in Devil May Cry Four. That was definitely yeah. probably the best fight of that yeah, that game. I would agree with that. Yeah. Any character action but, game pretty much is a hundred percent on their bosses. <laughs> but we all know the best. My favorite, my personal favorite boss fight is the one with Knuckles in Sonic Adventure. <laughs> Because oh, that... every time you hit him, every time you hit him, he just goes, "Oh no!" Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he was and, super easy, and he can cut him, and he just, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! You win!" And and he can cut him, and he s says, "Give it your best shot." And sometimes he can just cut him off mid sentence. He's like, "Give it your best." Sh oh no! <laughs> oh no! I feel like a lot of people are gonna. I feel like we should mention the uh, the final boss in uh, Wind Waker, which is against Ganondorf, um, just because of how like impactful that that boss fight was for a lot of people with the ending that it had um well you're implying that i actually had the patience to finish wind waker oh i didn't i didn't finish wind waker, but... um, does, does anyone here like wind waker other than me or is it just, just me it's just you. it's just you welcome i haven't i haven't played it so so essentially but... just you jake it's a good game <laughs> i i think it's the best 3d zelda there is yeah i really do since we're alienating ourselves with our opinions i might as well say mine uh, D wait, 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 wait! Hold on, I'm sorry, but isn't your favorite game Majora's Mask? It is Majora's Mask, but then I how... still think I still think Wind Waker is a better 3D Zelda. Uh -huh. Explain that difference, please. I'm confused. Okay, so I think Majora's Mask is the more long-lasting, impactful game, and apparently, so does everyone. Please refer to um, it by its official name, Fedora's Mask. Thank you. Fedora's Mask. Thank you. Yes. Tip uh, Fedora's... Majora. Fedora's Mask. Majora. Yes. Majora's Mask. I don't think actually is that great of a Zelda game. I think it's I think it kind of transcends like what the conventions of Zelda games. And I know that sounds really pretentious, but I think a lot of people might see what I'm saying because there's always so much to talk about it, like uh, the way it explored different kinds of mechanics. No, and this no, and you're that. right. It totally does sound pretentious. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I I I think as far as 3D Zeldas go. Uh, Wind Waker had a much better c camera control. It had much better like ways to do combat in larger groups. Um, it it just felt like the kind of game where it was much more fun to explore than Majora's Mask was. Majora's Mask, like it was, it it could. I honestly I think it could have worked both as a two D or a three D. But Wind Waker only could have worked as a three D, if that makes sense. Adam, cut out my bit of pretentiousness earlier and leave that. Never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I let me. Go I let your here. true nature shine. Majora's Mask is it just it did different stuff that doesn't make it the best 3D kind of Zelda. Mm -hmm. It it just makes it a good Zelda if that makes sense. But I also appreciate Majora's Mask the most out of all of the Zeldas for that reason. Good. <sighs> so yes, Wind Waker's a good game. You guys need to wise up to it. Well, coming from someone who hates platinum, I can't I take your opinion. What do you th right, I I don't think? I think that uh, that that. Zelda, you could learn from Skyrim. By the way, I I, I didn't make, get to say that topic idea earlier. Oh, I, I wanted um, to do the complete opposite of what Skyrim did in every way. 
Uh, well, exactly what I liked about it, which is like, here's the main quest. There's 50 miles in a different direction. Go that way. <laughs> the game tells but you to the, rebel. The thing is, is that I trust Zelda to have a bit more diversity in the landscape. Because that was like, you know, it's, you've seen one cave in Skyrim, you've seen them all. Like, I, I think Zelda... It's actually just going to be the same on, like... texture, just overlooped over and over again. It's yeah. going to be the same <laughs> No, room. I want to say I have faith in Nintendo to do that, but I don't know if I do. I, I'm kind of still feeling like most Wii U titles are kind of being rushed out, and I don't, I don't know. I hope, but... I think it's good to I approach any game hope. with a certain amount of skepticism, especially when you're all you're hearing is from other people's opinions or from just bits of information as opposed to the actual game itself that you're seeing firsthand or playing with by yourself because a lot of the time you don't really get what you should be getting out of the experience by just i don't know watching the game i know a lot of people enjoy watching other people play games but i think that you can't you know, yeah you can't just take what like you're seeing some guy questions. saying yeah 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 i mean you, you gotta like you said it best you're earlier, allowed Jake. to say it what did i say <laughs> you said, uh i mean people just listen to the episode they're listening to it now that's not for a loop. Uh, but you said it best earlier when you said, like, you know, you have to form your own opinions on these sort of things and take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, like, it's true that Sonic 06 is a bad game, but you can't just take someone's word It could have been a, a good game. game. You have to, like, ask Better yourself, than Sonic Adventure look, 2. That's I like Sonic Adventure Hold on, hold on. I like Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> what? Objectively, Why? I don't no. like Sonic... Really? I don't like Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. This... I'm sure a lot of people who know you me. You think outside Sonic, of city? Escape, I don't like Sonic. Triple, triple just take escape, my lead, I and I'll set you free like from your terrible opinions. Got places no. to go. Got to follow my rainbow. I, I, yeah, I, it's good. It's good. I, I I do think Sonic Adventure Two has a better, you know, legacy, a better lasting memory, but just it just hasn't aged very well at all. Wait, do you mean and, you don't like the series at all? Just to be sure. No, no, no! I love Sonic, but no, I, I mean just Sonic Adventure, like Sonic the series, Sonic Adventure, and Sonic Adventure Two. Uh, Sonic Adventure One was better. Than 2. I like Sonic I, Adventure I, One. I okay, because so, here's the thing: I hear a lot yeah, of people like say good things about Sonic Adventure Two Battle and Sonic Adventure Two, but never say anything good about Sonic Adventure One. I and I think I that's, wouldn't say that Sonic was... Adventure Two is like not aged well. I think it's aged pretty well. Um, <laughs> no, I, it hasn't. You know, I, game I, hasn't aged well, and that makes like me playing Sonic at least. Yeah, yeah, Sonic was Sonic's Sonic's gameplay is mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, everything else everything is garbage. Else... I completely agree. Actually, that's one of the best boss fights that I remember from my childhood is Sonic Adventure's final boss fight against Chaos cuz it's just Oh yeah. It's so epic. The... Dude, I could never make it to it because I couldn't do the big missions because oh my the God. fishing was, was asinine. I hate the rest of Sonic Adventure 1 though. I I despise it. I couldn't beat it as a kid. I and made I'm it to the It was I frustrating, it but I learned how to fish. I'm a big Sonic fan. Um, I hate it. But oh, speaking you know of game, Sega, really quick though, did you guys hear that um, Sega's not developing for home consoles anymore? They quit, excluding Sonic. Really? Excluding, excluding Sonic? Sonic? Really? Well, I thought. Yeah, Sonic is still fine, apparently. Okay. Thank God. No, so I'm, I'm pretty sure Yay, sometime, I guess, like a few days prior to their restructuring, they announced that they were gonna port, make stuff like um, Dengeki Buko Bunko fi Fighting Climax and. Project Diva F, so obviously they're still supporting console in some way. They're, they're slowly backing away from just... it, probably. Yeah. yeah. You know what game didn't... And obviously Sonic... So. And Tadashi... Takashi Zuko, whatever, that guy who manages Sonic. Uh, I don't know what his role is, but he's significant with it. But he said, oh, 
we're we're still gonna focus on Sonic. We're not gonna stop making console games, but it's just a restructuring move, and they're just trying to save money because it's not good. Right. Basically. Yeah. Is Sega really falling Sega on these hard times right now? Yes. God. They suck at marketing. I know they were. They, they, they just. I know which is funny because they're against Japan. Nintendo, and Nintendo is worse. Yeah. Also, <laughs> PSA. Yeah. Atlas is still fine. Yeah. Atlas is completely yeah. fine. Yeah, they let them do everything the they want. They just bought them, and they were Sega like, "Do your thing." Yeah, Sega's just the publishers. Mm-hmm. So. Which is I was actually hoping Nintendo would buy them because uh, Nintendo. I don't even know if this is still a thing, but like the Fire Emblem Shimagami crossover. And what happened to that? Yeah, I'm still what waiting. They announced exists. a new Fire Emblem it, game before they even exists. like showed a single screenshot of this one they've been working on for years. Because if they canceled it, I'm yeah. really sad. Wasn't that like two or three years? It was like ago 2012. It that? was 2012 where they announced it. But and like, all they I had haven't done heard was a single thing about that since the announcement. They said at E3 like, that um uh they couldn't show anything yet, but the game is is still like making. The game is still like on schedule, like right on schedule, like everything's fine. But mm-hmm. it begs the question: Why can't you? Fair enough. Anything? Do you think it might have been that they originally were going to make it for? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I Phil. honestly think what it is is they probably are, have had a lot of difficulties finding an identity for this game because I'm pretty sure Shin Megami and Fire Emblem have two very different kinds of styles. Yeah, because like uh, if Fire Emblem is like all about strategy, heavy... and Shin Megami Tensei is all about, or sorry. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei is all about RTS and first person or third person perspective, but um, yeah, Fire Emblem so is all about having... like chess. That's really exactly. the best way to describe. Chess is the best know. way to describe I, it. I think it boils down to they're they're both about strategy. And no, no, no I'm not saying that they're not both about no, strategy. No, but I'm just like saying the that finer the finer salts of it, like they're yeah. having a hard time marrying a bit. Of, like some of these Shin Megami Tensei together. is more like a paintball tournament where you know you have to plan where the troops go and at the certain points and you know create chokes and things like that and have you know key positions offended whereas fire emblem it's all about chess you know every move really matters and you take you take time to make sure that you're putting the pieces in the right place you know making sure that they have backup plans and the traps are set i don't know I, it seems pretty easy because i think they're literally just plugging smt into fire emblem so i mean do you think it's going to be a bit like hyrule warriors where they just take the one one game and then just copy paste it into another or like do you think there's going to be so what do you mean like, I, I think, like, from what you're saying about taking a game... Go ahead and explain what you mean by that, I guess. Okay. Uh, like, one one route is, like, okay, so they take Fire Emblem, and they just, like, paint over a Shin Megami color to it. So it's just Shin Megami Tensei in a Fire Emblem kind of uh, game. So, like, you know, it, it, it plays exactly like Fire Emblem, but it's a Shin Megami. Kind of like... It plays exactly like a Dynasty Warriors, but it's a it's a Zelda game. You see what I mean? Yes and no. I, I think it's going to be the characters work in unison, but it's going to be on an FE plane. Okay, so you Entirely. see it, it leaning more towards like a Fire Emblem kind of playthrough? Yeah, with the characters from SMT plugged in, is what I think. I'm actually really glad Fire Emblem's like making such a renaissance. I really am. I, th- I think it's one of the most underrated franchises in the West. Uh, and even in Japan, yeah. I think like, Nintendo's uh, trying to make a more, a more uh, worldwide fan base with uh, their titles and try to make more flagships. Because right now, the two that they really lean back on are Mario and Zelda. Um, yeah. And I think that they don't want to strain the market too much by having because those... Because that's smart. I'm sorry? Meanwhile, F-Zero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, well... F-Zero. Meanwhile, Metroid. <laughs> Meanwhile, Metroid. <laughs> Metroid. <laughs> Trip, you're my favorite guest so far. <laughs> Dude, I love Metroid too. Thanks. Okay.
I like watching Metroid. Metroid. Metroid's one of those games where I really understand what it feels like to enjoy watching people play games as opposed to playing them yourself. Because I just like uh, wa- watching and getting immersed in the environment, even in like Super Metroid, where there's it's very simplistic visuals in comparison to what we have today. Just because I, I just, I feel like I get more out of it, uh, by just not having to worry about the actual controls. Yeah, yeah, kind of like playing on. I, I did that with uh, Resident Evil with my brother like years mm-hmm. ago. Just like playing on autopilot, where you basically feel like if you picked up the controller, you would have, you know, you would kind of be able to take over a little bit. Yeah. But like mostly watching the entire time and like getting the same sort of like one final thing like, out of it. One final like topic I wanted to bring up because uh, we're talking about Metroid. Uh, before we go, because we're running out of time here, Caleb, I had the idea the other day. I thought this would be kind of cool, and I wanted to hear your opinion on it. Um. Would it be a good idea to have a Metroid short film? Like a silent short film? No. Why? <laughs> I don't want films and books. And st- I want video games. Well, well not... Well, not... Gu- guys, isn't it obvious Actually, Ridley would like... Every time Ridley appears on the screen, he'd just take up the whole screen. No, no a film of Metroid would be good. <laughs> I, I actually have some he'd strong He'd fill up the whole screen. Um, you know, Caleb, forever ago... I asked you like uh, what you look for in a game, and you said it's games are not books and they are not movies; they are games. And I think yeah. that's very wise. Yes. Um, when when like every time I I hear, um, and I'm very much in the same boat, by the way, because like every time I hear, we're trying to make the game more cinematic. Yeah, which is interesting uh, because your Order eighteen eighty six seems to be like you're you're into cinematic stuff like way more than the game itself. Um, 30 FPS. I am and I'm not. Like, here's the thing. I don't mind a game trying to, to put on a spectacle for me if it, if it still, like, understands that it's a game at heart. Like, I could not play Beyond Two Souls because yeah. that was, that had no sense of identity. It, it was a, it was a movie trying to, like, see, the thing is, is that, like, every time I see a, a, a someone say, oh, they need to make a Zelda movie. They need to make a Metroid no, it movie. I'm like, Well, no, why? I didn't say movie. I said short film the, because I thought okay. it would be good to have like maybe the, like a three-minute I don't mean you. Five. I don't mean you. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to imply No, 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 no. <laughs> I just, I, I think it's good to explain this a little bit more just just for clarity's sake. But I have another thing I want to bring uh-huh. up anyway uh, on this topic. Um, just with Metroid, I thought it would be cool to have like a just small three to five minute thing where you just have a fight between Ridley and uh, uh, Samus. I don't see the point. Like, I know the Pikmin short films exist. Just more just to, like, get more people familiar with Metroid as a franchise and get the popularity up. Not to say, like, oh, Metroid needs to be made into a series or anything like that, but more like what I see with a a lot of fan series, there's the Zelda Project uh, in particular. I I know what you mean. Uh, Just, like, to get people more invested and more interested and more curious as to what the series is about because, like you said, Metroid is a good series, but, you know, not many people like it. Not many people know about it. I think you can do that without having to resort to a short film, though, because then I don't want it to be like, look at this really action-packed shooter game no, and then, not then like go that. oh based based on this short film of Santa's no i just think it'd be good to Ridley, like show off the atmospheric of nature of the series i think because, like without and the reason i said silent is because i don't want it to have to rely on samus speaking or anything like that i want it to really be true to the game um in that sense or to give you an understanding of the world that you're going into um but like what you were saying earlier about how when games are trying to be movies and how that's not really the best sort of thing i think that a lot of people a lot of people argue with me on this, but I think this is a very important game that, you know, was meant to be a game and cannot be another medium, which is the Stanley Parable. Yeah. You walk Fair around, enough. and that's all you do, but there's no other way to properly express that idea, those those sort of uh, experiences, as without it being a game. I mean, exactly. Journey is a good game in terms of, like, its experience, but it yes, it could have been a film. It could have been a book. 
It doesn't have to well, be. Well, Journey still has more things to do, and I'm okay with calling Journey a video game, more so than the Stanley Parable. I'm, I'm sorry, Caleb, but you're wrong on that. Stanley Parable has way more to do. I'm really sorry, know. but that's 100% wrong. There's more things to interact yeah, like, with. There's more things you can actually do in uh, Stanley Parable than you can do in Journey. Interact, sure, but I don't think that interacting should automatically assume to be a game. Oh, I'm sorry, is it an interactive medium, Caleb? Ooh, things are getting heated up in these last few minutes. Uh, oh, well, we all, we all know that all of those games are better than I just than think that a lot of people give Stanley Parable flack for something I really like, like you, Trip. I really like you a lot. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that just because you can interact with something, it automatically becomes a game. Because I think there have to be like. But I think it's important for the ideas know. and for the message that you have to be able to interact with things for the Stanley Parable to be what it is, to be good at what it is. If you made it into a book I didn't or a say movie, say that's not the point. If, but I just think there needs to be some type of like, uh, sub genre almost to distinguish between like this is a video game and this is like an interactive blank. Well, video game almost. is an interactive experience. Yeah. It's it depends on what your own personal definition of it is, though. Yeah, because really. like, you look at a game lose... like Journey, and you look at a game like Heavy Rain. Um... A game a game has a lose state. A well, that's why you have gaming state. genres. Right. That's what I believe. That's why you have right. you know you have shooters. And, and that's what have... I'm saying. It should be under its own genre, though, not like look at this a story game. game gone I, I would I would have no problem with it be described as a story game. As long as sure. you understand that it, it only makes sense as a game, and as a book, it would be the worst thing you've ever read. I never said that. Yeah. Like Stanley Parable wouldn't work any other way. I, I agree that it only works that way. I just don't like that it's called a video game because it's such a, like, the, the term is such a broad thing that can. Well, video describe game can describe so anything things. from Legend of Zelda to Mass Effect to just. I, I know, and generally it's fine, sense. but then you have things like visual novels and. Yeah, this, I was gonna say. And and, and I see visual novels being counted as their own separate thing, so why can't we? At least for well, the people dating sims, with. which are visual and uh, visual novels, are are still considered video games. Sure, but they they're subsections of video games in the same way that uh, an action RPG is a subsection of video games. It's just I see something like a story game or something like Stanley Parable, and it's not really like pulled out of video. Are you? Games. Are, is it the idea that you're kind of worried that you know? By classifying them on equal grounds as something like an action shooter thing like that, it's going to devalue or sort of misguide people as to what a video game is. I, I would say this this I could uh, see why that's misguide a more than disvalue for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but like All right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I just think that I I've never played the Stanley Parable and I haven't finished Journey, but I can appreciate games like that being on the market and being sold as video games, like marketed. These are video games because it kind of opens up the idea as to what a video game should be. Mm-hmm. Like so but yeah, actually going back a little bit, we were talking about games and movies. Um, Alan Moore, who is a famous comic book artist, he did The Killing Joke. Tell me and more. He did, uh, he did Watchmen. Uh, he refused to see the film adaptation of Watchmen because he said, this is a guy who put so much detail into every comic book panel he ever made. Yeah, like, if you ever see the last page of The Killing Joke, every panel is brilliantly put there. Like, it's, it's incredible. He says that, you know, and Adam said it a little bit earlier, it's really hard to translate, to have a 100% translation between medias. Yeah, I read so, Watchmen. Like, I didn't watch the movie, and I don't think I ever will, just because I think that Watchmen's comic did it so well that it's not even yeah. necessary to put it in a medium that is film. To the to the film's credit, what he uh, Alan Moore did say that that film adaptation is probably the closest anyone will ever get to doing it right, but he still didn't have the desire to see it. So the film is still actually not so bad, but you're better off reading the comics. Yeah. Um, but how did he know if he didn't watch? I'm sure he. Was, I'm sure he was involved in the production, yeah, which yeah. is a lot of times what happens. I'm sure he he obviously had an idea of what was going on somewhere. Yeah. 
but yeah, Conspiracy. like when when people say though that um oh this game needs to be a movie, like they need to make it, th- it's like why, why do you want that? Like does that mean because does it somehow justify? And they play them for mo- for the story. Does it somehow justify gaming as an experience if it becomes a movie? Does that imply every movie? Does, do you want to see Citizen Kane the video game? It's, no, you don't. It, like just keep them. I think satisfy what they are. I think going into it, you have to cha- you have to decide what you're doing. You know, are you saying that like oh it would be better as a movie, or are you saying this would be a good homage to what is great about the game or what is great like parts to see about the game. a film adaptation because I enjoy this so much. That what Caleb said, like, oh, it needs to be turned. It's, it's not that it's not like it needs to be turned or cured or fixed. It's that I would like to pay homage well, to something that makes me happy, which is why I like here's fan here's the problem with that. Like though, there's, Adam. A, there's a group called Player Piano who are amazing. You should really check out their stuff. And uh-huh. they have this uh, they have a series of videos that are. They do covers of the songs, but they also have costumes and things like that um, while they're performing. And it's like a whole cinematic thing. Uh, uh, they're recently working with uh, the Zelda Project to make a, a, what is essentially the final battle between Link and Ganon. Uh, the trailer's okay. up now. You can see it down below. Um, and it's it's really good. It's really good. And it doesn't insult in the same way that you would say like, oh, Netflix is making a Zelda series. And that, as a fan, that makes me upset. But when uh-huh. I see this, I see... Not a, a, a quick a way to make a buck or, you know, trying to, you know, change things that made the game great or trying to say that the game can't do this in a certain way. But rather, I see it as a, a way to show that there's a love and a passion behind, you know, being a fan of these series. Well, I, I, I agree with you, Adam. I, I think it's important for me to say I don't think that it can't be done right. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are lots of instances where, like, there's been cross media yeah. and it's been really, really, it's come over really But are good. you saying that it's difficult? Um, I'm saying it's... It, it, it is difficult. It is because I agree can, with that. Yeah, 100%. The it is the hardest thing to do is to change something and from one medium to another and po- properly express. A it. lot of times, dude, it's done for like validation, especially in terms of video games. Like when the order says, "Oh, we're going for a filmic look," that's why it's thirty. Mm-hmm. That that's 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 BS, and they know it. Mm-hmm. it. Like, why do you have to ride on the backbone of Hollywood so much? Why can't you just accept that you have an established because, medium here? Because like the Phantom Pain. They huge, accept huge it. They just use excuses because people buy it. And also because people <sighs> yell at them for not having the, the right quality and things. So they have to make excuses to make people God. happy that are just being somewhat greedy with what they're getting. If you understand what I mean. Like, like I knew what you mean. Like, like look at the... as soon as they, they drop the quality in any regard, people are going to call them out on it and shame them and say how terrible they are That's... and how they lied to them and they stole from them and they... They and that's why you don't pull a Peter Molyneux and you're upfront and you're honest about the things that are going to your game. Mm-hmm. But uh, more recently... But it's hard. Example, it's the, hard to be honest. Recent... It's hard to say this is what we failed. It's hard for people yeah. to come out and say that immediately. And even then, people still criticize you. People still give you flack. For... See, like, I remember a long time ago, Adam, you, you said something on the show that was interesting. We talked about it for a bit. You were saying how, like, um, for like Smash Brothers, how they would announce a character every few months or something like that, mm-hmm. how you weren't a fan of it. You would much rather know from the start and, you know, like... The problem with that, though, is that if they announce, and this is what Peter Molyneux does, this is why he's getting a lot of fire right now, is if you were to hear that Ice Climbers were in the game in the beginning, and then a few months pass after E3, and it's like, and they discover they can't do it, you're going to be mad at them because they, you, you had something that they took away from you. You had the ice climbers in the new game, and now they're it not there. It doesn't really work like that with Smash, though. They they play the roster. Does. If they promised, if they showed ice climbers was going to be in the roster, and they said, "Hey, he's not in there anymore," you'd be upset. Sure, but that would have never been the case. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't agree with Adam because I kind of like the build up for Smash because it, or else it would die off hype wise a lot quicker. 
but like they already know. For, for I do sure get tired of it. I really do. I get tired of the hype. I get tired of ha- having to care for opinion, years though. and years. That's all personal mm-hmm. opinion. So, like most of our discussion tonight about yeah. not liking platinum and liking Zelda, yeah. you know. No, but like back to back to the whole film. Thing yeah, really let's wrap quick. this up, guys, because we actually have to wrap this up. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. so more recently, Metal Gear, the series developer, Hideo Kojima, it's no secret, that guy is a huge film buff. He includes references to his movies all the time. He even says them by name in his his stuff. Um, 70% of my body is made of movies. Yeah. (laughs) This is Twitter bio. That is is a quote by Hideo Kojima. 70% of my my existence is movies. Um, He has always been a fan of cinema. He very recently shafted David Hayter for the role of Big Boss to, to Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, a very uh, much more big name, you know, Hollywood actor to do the voice of the main character. And um, the reasoning behind this, though, is because he he wants... And I'm not speculating here. He's becoming more and more of a presence in Hollywood. Like, Metal Gear is becoming more and more known as, like, a almost like a film amongst video games. So he wanted to get a big name guy on there to, like, try to justify it. Like, oh, see, this is more than a video game. But now we just found out, and, like, you know the whole, like... Hideo basically pulled his own, we're going for the filmic look, that's why it's 30 FPS, but in his own way. We just found out that the very expensive voice actor, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, was was got on, but now Snake isn't going to be talking that much. Oh, that's yeah. It's very coincidental. We found out that Snake is actually going to be kind of quiet, and I can't help but think, hmm, I wonder if Logic. it's probably because it's a bit expensive to pay for Kiefer. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just, I just worry that people look at Hollywood like it's the only kind of justifiable art form when video games do it so well. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to have a crossover. Oh, we need to get a, a, a big name guy to do our game. No, you mm-hmm. don't. You don't need to do that. Your game is really good. Yeah, and I think it as, as a whole, it just kind of makes it harder for people in gaming and things like that. I think there was recently a campaign for voice actors uh, on Twitter that I saw. Um, and it, it just reminds me of how, you know, it's hard for people to get jobs in this sort of industry. And every time you take that away from someone, you you sort of make it more difficult for anyone to yeah, enter the exactly. medium. Yeah, exactly. Adam, you actually brought up something really, really, really in- interesting mm-hmm. that I want to bring up. Uh, you know Troy Baker? Yeah. He's a very famous voice yeah. actor. He said something recently that really bothered me about the whole David Hayter, Kiefer Sutherland thing, which is... The short answer is, eh, you know, it happens. It, what can you do? Kiefer's a good guy, uh, you know... David Hayter's a good guy, but this is this is how it goes. And it's like, you are a voice actor. You are not a big name Hollywood. You are Troy Baker is not a household name. You know, like Kiefer Sutherland is more likely to be. You are also a voice actor. This just as easily could have happened to you. And you're gonna sit here and say, you know, that's it's whatever. This is just what happens. I, I have a lot of respect for Troy Baker. I think he's a fantastic voice actor, but I, I did lose a lot of respect from him in that moment. Well it's it's kind of sort of that thing that him, you, can't, with him. you can't really smack talk your own peers when it comes to that sort you of can't, thing yeah like he's, 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 he's kind of on stuck. the same pedestal as david Hayter, and he's gonna like, no he no say no he, he can't no he can't exactly say anything bad about Kiefer sutherland either because when you do that you kind of put yourself under the under the crosshairs when it comes to just getting hired as soon as you say hey i have problems with working with people that are from different industries you suddenly become not as interesting or not as appealing to uh people that want to hire you so i think it's very totally professional right, with what he did what but he the fact that he had to i guess is a good way to describe it as it sucks that he had to. It sucks that he couldn't say what he may have actually felt or give his actual opinion on the idea of someone losing their job to just someone with a big name. Or maybe that was actually how he actually felt. I don't know. Like I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing to say. It, it, I think it was because the way he talked in the interview implied that you know he's he's much more 
more more like he he feels like he's he's bumping elbows with Kiefer. Like he's don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic voice actor. He he's gotten a lot of success and all the best to him. Very limited range, but, but it's a very limited range. And for you to not like for I don't know. I I guess you know you are right, Adam. He probably couldn't say that much, but it it's like he's such a big name in voice acting, and for him to say nothing about like a famous voice actor losing a famous role is is it to me it just comes off as is I don't know very weak-minded. I don't know. I see no problem with it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I was also saying limited range into uh, Troy's uh, skill. Mm-hmm. He does the same voice. In regards to Kiefer, I think they could have avoided... If they had a different actor for Big Boss from the start, like from when Big Boss was introduced, i.e. Snake Eater, right. they, they wouldn't... And they just used that actor for Big Boss for every game after that. They wouldn't have like a huge problem. They wouldn't no have a problem have with a this. Huge problem with it, yeah. Like if Kiefer was Big Boss right from Snake Eater, because Big Boss is a different character to Snake. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, that's, kind that's of. my thing. Yeah, and now they're yeah. they're having to say snakes. They Kojima literally. Okay, guys, do you think Snake, Big Boss, or Solid Snake? Do you think that is a bl- a tabula rasa, like a blank slate, like an avatar projection for the character? No. Like, do you think Snake is on this on no, the same page? Absolutely as not. I Absolutely not. No. But Kojima just came out and said uh, he's always been that way, and that's why he's not going to talk that much. And it's like nonsense. You got Konami probably couldn't afford to pay Kiefer as much as they needed to, so he's not saying as much. Mm-hmm. But no, now we now we're hearing that's, this nonsense yeah. that oh, he's a blank slate. He's for you. I'm angry. No, it's, it's, as much as I enjoy talking about this, budget. I think it's about time we should start wrapping up. So uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me. This is a great discussion. I really enjoyed the end of it, uh, Caleb. Yeah, we heated up. Thank you for butting heads <laughs> with me at the end. I'm sorry if we got a little Anytime. too hot. Uh, it was fun. I like uh, when you guys get hot. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, Triple Q, do you want to uh, do you want us to feature one of your songs as the outro for this week? Uh, well, this this song actually wasn't made by mm-hmm. me. It was made by a very talented uh, musician that I'm called a uh, named Fabian Imbri, or better known as Bach Five, and he. He is coming out with a brand new album, mm-hmm. like about April or May, and called. Uh, well, I forgot what it's called. No, no, it was called Midnight Walk, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be doing the artwork for that. And one of my favorite songs from Midnight Walk is Digital Love Express, mm-hmm. and because he's supposed to be, he wanted to tell a story with that kind yeah. of thing, and yeah, so that's that's. That's the song that we're All about right. to be hearing. I assume. Thank you so much, man. How so, can yeah. people find you online? YouTube. Uh, you do yeah, streams for your art now. Don't, don't forget to like, comment, and like, subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe this podcast, even though we're not on, on YouTube. Oh. Um, yeah. I guess tell your friends. Because yeah, tell your friends. Share us online, please. We don't ever say that enough. Yeah, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you like us, seriously, tell someone. We don't like, like hey, to say calls to, to action because it feels kind of like we're asking you to do things when we're just here to entertain no, you. No, but we're, like, just, we're just here to talk, but it, it definitely helps. It helps like, out. It really does. I'm not going to ask you guys to do anything. Caleb's just gonna Thanks, think Caleb. it. He's gonna imagine it. No. He's thinking it really hard. Yeah. All right. So, uh, thank you guys for joining me. <laughs> Take care. Have a good week. Good night. Everybody. Oh, by the way, it's my birthday on Monday. Yeah. 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 Happy birthday. All right. Good night, everyone. Night. Bye.
I got disconnected and the call had ended. Someone needs to call me back. I'm not ending this. Not ending this. Someone needs to call me back. Yo. Yeah. I'm gonna call this chat. Gonna call it. Caleb said he has bad internet. I'm gonna try calling again. I'm gonna stop saying too. Hey, Post Adam, I hope you're doing alright over there. Happy birthday, almost. You're a good dude. I like you a lot. Freaking. Yeah, nobody's on. Like, it. What is this? I call and I immediately. Well. This is unfortunate. Recording. I'm I'm recording now. I'm Adam, and I'm always so breathy. It's just the recording. <laughs> I love you. No, you don't. Of course, I love you. Don't say I don't love you. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't do this every week. You need me if I didn't love you. You're just doing it out of pity, aren't you? No. No. Oh. Well, I am also doing it because it's your birthday coming up. But true. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's the last uh, podcast I'm gonna do as a teenager, guys. Weird. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. You're, be, you're turning twenty. Spring break. Let's get turned, bad. Wait, Adam's turning twenty. Adam's turning twenty on Wednesday or Monday. It's his birthday. You, yeah, his birthday's Monday. I knew it was his birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get you very, very not sober. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll say stupid things.
That's that's the best. I, I enjoy when you say stupid things, but when you have the excuse of being drunk. <laughs> All right, ladies, are we ready? Guys, I'm wasted. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> I'm 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 good. Ladies, okay, yeah. please. <laughs>